Welcome to the Intercut Podcast, the weekly show going over the TV, movies, and entertainment that people can't cut away from. I am your co-host, Zachary Shevich, and joining me, the first man to win four Oscars in one night since Walt Woo! Disney, it's Arturo Zarita. I'm excited to be here, Zach. Uh, I know we'll be talking about the Oscars and a bunch of other stuff. Uh, I also, we have an extra guest on today. I know you yeah. guys were able to meet her, but... Little, for the for the people who haven't met her yet, her mommy isn't here though, so I feel, I feel kind of bad. <laughs> this is gonna be our introduction, but uh, it is just us today, so she'll be recording. She's pretty quiet, but little little lady Sundance here got her right after the film festival. Yeah. What's up, lady? And she's a fan of podcasts, so hopefully, hopefully she'll stay quiet. <laughs> but uh, no, I'm excited to talk about all the Oscars and a bunch of the other stuff uh, that has been happening early 2020 because it's, it's. I don't think it's gonna be better than 2019. But I don't think 2020 is going to come to play. Like, I don't think they're playing around. They're not messing around. Yeah, a lot of exciting stuff on the horizon. But we still got some uh, looking back to do. We want to talk about the Oscars a little bit. And we're joined not only by uh, the cuteness of Lady Sundance herself, but the cuteness of our intern producer, Fernando. Say what up, Fernando. Thank you, Zach. Thank you. I don't know. I don't think I could be ladies at all. But I don't know. Some I'm... of our viewers want to pet you, bro. <laughs> I'm excited to be here, though. Uh, haven't been on an episode since Sundance, which was an incredible experience. Oh, uh, happy yeah. to have experienced it with you guys again. Uh, so let's talk movies. Yeah, we might just give Fernando a chance to uh, share some of his Sundance favorites later on this episode. Uh, but first, we want to make sure you're subscribed to the Intercut Podcast, not just the video feed on YouTube.com slash IntercutPod, but the audio feed as well, available on most podcatchers. I happen to like Overcast and follow Intercut on social media, whether it's Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. We are at IntercutPod. That's at IntercutPod. That's short, short for, for podcast. podcast. Art, let's start the show the way we start it every week with what we are watching. What you've been watching? Uh, a lot of pilots, surprisingly, because there's so much stuff coming out all, all at once. I think the only show that I've been able to fully complete, uh, and a lot of these are Netflix, is Cheer. Uh, I don't know if you guys have heard about this, but while we were at Sundance, so many filmmakers were recommending this. Come the Oscar time, and they actually had, uh, again, Cheers on Netflix, I believe it's six episodes. I thought it was a, a, like a documentary miniseries. Then it turns out it's not a documentary, but a reality series because they're on season one and there's going to be more episodes coming out. It pretty much covers uh, Navarro College, which is a, I think, community college that's really big on cheerleading athletics and how they make it all the way down to Daytona. And it follows these group of, uh, they're not even kids. They're, they're, they're 19. I think some of them are 20. Uh, and some of them have become like these icons who a bunch of people on the red carpet were recognizing at the Oscars because I think Ellen sent uh, one of the dudes over there. Fantastic. Yeah, there's a video of uh, Greta Gerwig freaking out about yes, pumping. one of the guys. From yes. The oh, yeah, Dude, that that was, that was, that oh, that one was so funny because he had no idea what pumping was. He's like, is she pumping who? Who is she pumping? <laughs> Her breast milk. Oh, uh, that show's fantastic. Uh, it, it, it shows you the pressures of what these people have to go through when it comes to cheerleading a sport that many people consider to just be the sideline thing yeah. but is sometimes even you know as athletic if not more with with everything that they go through and all the pressures that right. you go through of, of trying to make matt to be able to be there just to participate because there is no pro league after this you know you do this you test out your body and then that's it um i can't even imagine if they had cameras recording them the entire time <laughs> But I yeah, I've heard that the characters in particular yeah. are, are all really interesting, uh, that people are having like favorites and there's yes. villains. And, um, I, I mean, I haven't watched it yet, but I've heard a lot of really I highly interesting recommend things it. about it. It's pretty good. Uh, other ones that I've caught on Netflix were Lock and Key, which I read the graphic novel to. That comes from Joe Hill, who is uh, Stephen King's junior over here. Oh. Uh, and he had a graphic novel about Lock and Key where this family who's lost their father uh, goes to this mansion with a bunch of keys that unlock more than doors, Zach and Fernando. Uh, I only caught a couple of episodes for that, but Alina finished the whole thing and she really, really liked it. So those have been like the, the, the two big ones that I've been uh, looking at, as well as uh, the other one being from Amazon, Modern Love, I think is what it's called. I've heard of it, yeah. So we pretty much came <clears throat> to the conclusion that every streaming service has one of these. Apple's is called Little America. Amazon's is called Modern Love, if I have it correct. Uh, and then Easy is Netflix's, and it's the best one. Yeah, so this is Amazon's, like, 
romantic comedy anthology series, yes. if I'm going to get right. Yeah, it's a bunch. Uh, each episode is its own little romantic story. I know that Tina Fey is on an episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, John Slattery, I want to say, is on an episode. A lot of f- familiar, recognizable faces uh, show up on, on Amazon show. Do you, are you liking what you've seen of modern love? I think I like it more cause I haven't finished little America. I think I like it more than little America. Sometimes you can see the structure in the episodes cause they're all done from new, uh, New York times or New Yorker. One of the magazines, I think they're based off of New York times articles. There you go. Yeah. These stories that people have submitted and they pretty much turn them into these mini episodes all about love. And when they call it modern love, you know, it's not just a relationship. It could be relationship with your doorman, which is the initial one, which I found to be very cute. Uh, Other ones where it comes to these relationships where they may not by the end of it be perfect, but they've gotten used to each other. Um, I can't say that it's better than easy, which you and I both love. I would say that the, the way that I were to rank them would be easy. Then HBO's High Maintenance, which I think also fits within that genre. And then this one over here. But I still think it's definitely worth it. Some of them, like I said, do do come off a little bit cliche. But they're so short. And they're based off of like... I think the awkwardness is what sells it. That's what this has going for it. It it puts you in an awkward position and it doesn't back out. There's one with uh, Julie Garner where she falls in love... She sees this guy who's older. Shay Wingham, I want to say is the actor's name. And uh, she sees him as a father. Like a father figure. He don't see it that right, way. Right. They play it all the way. But yeah, uh, I'm curious to see your guys' thoughts. If you guys check it out. Again, you can start at any single episode. My personal favorites would be The Doorman. And I really like Tina Fey's one as well. Hmm. So those are my picks. All right. So uh, Cheer, Lock and Key, Modern Love, a couple TV recommendations from Art. A lot Fernando. of stream. What about you? Uh, since you've returned from the mountains of Park City. Yeah, well. Watching. Saw a lot of stuff over Sundance. Um, but lately, there was a... A lot of new releases this weekend, um, and we'll be talking about one of them uh, in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. I also got, I also caught Sonic though, and oh, cool. you know, Sonic, it's it's a movie um, <laughs> that went through some it's a struggles. Very successful movie, yeah, actually, surprisingly, um, mm-hmm. that went through some struggles early on, and you know, I don't think it's a great movie, but I definitely don't think it was as bad as a lot of people. Or was expecting it to expecting be. It, to be. Um, it does its job. It's fine. Sonic actually looks pretty good, and I give a lot of credit to the uh, designers who unfortunately don't have a job Rest anymore. Rest in peace. <laughs> yeah. Um, but other than that, I've been watching a lot of old stuff. I got, uh, luckily, uh, was given a Criterion collection uh, or a Criterion channel uh, hey, account. Yeah. It's so, dope, um, right? It's honestly, I could live with that and like it's give up Netflix and stuff. Like, it's crazy. It's so good. I mean, Criterion, at least hypothetically, mm-hmm. is ensuring you a certain level of quality. Yeah, yes, for sure. Um, and there's like a bunch of different areas you can explore of film history. Um, and since I'm in film school right now, a lot of the things that we're watching, uh, I, I found them on there. Um, so, you know, classics like Bicycle Thieves, stuff like that. Um, hey. But one movie. Or documentary that I saw recently um, was the behind the scenes of the making of Roma which is called Camino a Roma um, and it came out because the Roma Criterion came out recently and this is like the whole behind the scenes interviews with Alfonso Cuaron um, and this like made me want to watch rewatch Roma again and also gave me like this whole new perspective on the movie that, I mean, I thought it was robbed the best picture for sure. I think mm-hmm. it was um, the best movie that year. But then it it showed this whole other side of how like they did the production design, um, casting the movie too. And I honestly think it could have won production design now because when we look at something which we'll talk about um, later in the podcast, I'm assuming with like uh, Once Upon a Time, like recreating right. ho- yeah. old Hollywood. What he did fa- to his house. Alfonso pretty much recreated old Mexico City from his childhood. So I think... Yeah, maybe if uh, people were as nostalgic (laughs) for old Mexico Mexico City as they are for old Talk about it, Zach. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And then the way he directed his actors, the way he withheld information from each other um, during certain scenes was really incredible. And it's, you know, it's only like 70 minutes long. Um, But I love things like that. Like, I like learning about the behind the scenes of things. Um, so if you're into that stuff, I'd highly recommend watching uh, Road to Roma, which is on Netflix. All right. Uh, do we? It's available on Netflix and on the Criterion I believe channel so. or just on Netflix? I think it might be. It's on Netflix, but it's I think Netflix, it might sure. come with the Criterion of Roma, too. Interesting. That's dope. 
All right, cool. Few recommendations from Fernando. As for what I've been watching, you know, uh, as we mentioned, getting back from Sundance, it's you pack in a lot of movies, and it's not necessarily you, you kind of need a little bit of a break oh, yeah. from some of that heady stuff. Uh, I've been kind of going back to some of my easy watching TV. Brooklyn Nine Nine is back, oh. and I, I always think that's good for a few laughs. You know, it's a our guy from Palm Springs, the Sundance movie, Andy Samberg. Uh, I don't know if the show is as good as it once was, but I still find it reliable for a few laughs the same way that I, I do Bob's Burgers. Uh, but I'm watching both of these on Hulu, and Hulu keeps uh, auto-playing me into Rick and Morty. And I think I think I'm finally into it, guys. Yeah. Oh, really? I'm finally a Rick and Morty nice. fan. I, I have, I've been very hesitant just because it's such a uh, – I think the show has these features to it that kind of give it this uh, unpleasantness mm -hmm. on, you know, whether that's Rick's constant belching or the, the pupils. The pupils freak me out yeah. a little bit, but it's just so cleverly written and so uh, consistently funny. I, I just am finding myself very surprised by the way the stories move. I feel like they a lot of their stories move in a way that's unfamiliar to like the typical TV format. Yeah. So I'm really enjoying finally uh, opening myself up to Rick and Morty. Maybe I'll actually watch it from the beginning so I could get some more of the story. You, you, uh, but yeah, you're gonna start doing the pickle Rick. <laughs> I, I haven't seen the pickle. He Rick goes belligerent. Yet, so. We lose him, Fernando. He's no longer the same Zach we know. I know. Uh, Rick, I love Rick and Morty. I remember I binge watched it, uh, the all three seasons, like super fast. And I even started the new season, but I'm now I'm just waiting for it all to for come the out seventy five episodes to come out, the seventy five seasons yeah. to wrap up, and then yeah, yeah. How long is that? Shh. We'll see. Anything else? Nothing new though. Uh, nothing really in terms of movies. I think the most substantial thing I've been watching is McMillions. Have you either <gasps> of you guys? Been no, seen please tell us about it. Uh, I'm waiting for that one to wrap. Uh, so in my desire to escape Sundance, I've returned to something that played at Sundance. Sundance. Uh, McMillions actually debuted at Sundance, though I, I wasn't trying to catch a six-hour uh, doc series in the mountains of Park City. But three episodes of its, I want to say, six-episode run mm -hmm. on HBO have aired now. Uh, it's the story of the fraud behind the McDonald's Monopoly game and how over, over ten years through uh, this contest there were like only a couple legitimate winners, the vast, vast majority of million-dollar winners, of, of prize winners, car winners, whatever, were all selected by this kind of mob operation. Uh, it, it's got these really interesting characters in it, just the most, like, gung-ho FBI agent interview that I've personally ever seen in one of these types of documentaries. Uh, but it's got this really interesting story just in the way that they were able to carry out this conspiracy behind the scenes and also in the way that the FBI's investigation both went right and went wrong. I think one of the things the documentary is doing very cleverly is they're showing you ways in which the FBI is making mistakes without telling you their mistakes until a little bit later on. And there's a moment in the third episode where you're kind of like, I knew I shouldn't have liked you. Uh, and for a documentary to kind of play with your emotions like that, it took me a little bit uh, to really f get into it. But now I cannot wait until the next week's episode. So if you're like art, maybe wait a little while. I'm telling you. Find you yourself like, you know, really jonesing for that next episode. But you know, it's the three episodes are there if you want to check them out uh, on HBO Go, HBO Now, whatever HBO service you want. I've been enjoying it, McMillions. As someone who worked at McDonald's, they were not messing around with that. You couldn't be half related to somebody and be allowed to win the millions after all that, all that controversy. Or so we thought, Arturo. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, let us know what you've been watching in the comments on YouTube or by shooting us an email. The address for that is intergutpod at gmail.com. We are going to move on to the yay or nay where we break Ooh. down the latest happenings in entertainment, starting with the internet going batty over a short camera test for the upcoming Matt Reeves and Robert Pattinson movie, The Batman. Lit in red, scored by Michael Giacchino. The footage shows Robert Pattinson brooding in a Batman costume with a gun infused into the Batman logo, which fans have pointed out is something that's been done in the comics mm -hmm. before. So, Art, yay or nay, did this less than 50-second clip get you giddy to go back to Gotham? 
You're not excited? You. No, I'm I'm just talking about this clip. Oh, like, yeah, this, yeah. This, it's exactly what I, I Give you something new. I, I, you know, we have talked on the show that we are fans of Matt Reeves as a filmmaker, especially the way that he's able to imbue blockbuster properties with the kind oh. of like headier themes. His work on the Apes franchise, Easily. you know, it, it is great. Uh, some of the best blockbuster filmmaking of the last ten years, I feel like, and we, you know, we've talked on the Intercod pod, cod podcast before about this this cast basically being like a twenty four's Batman, literally. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I'm, ex- I, I'm, I guess I'm excited. I don't. For me though, I'm not like Max excited about a comic book movie. The clip isn't doing that much for <laughs> the me. Clip I know didn't drop you didn't was... tw- freak out. <laughs> no, I mean for me, you know, I don't care about his costume. That's not the kind but of thing. But Zach, last year when the Joker test camera me, footage but... came out the same way, I thought you were. I was going to bring that up. This seems like right? the new. It's the new thing. Strategy. Remember last year? It was right after Sundance because I remember where I was like, "Oh snap! We got the movies continuing over here," and they were hyping up. They're like, "Look at the Joker!" And it just went from him as uh, Arthur to him in the makeup, and then the laugh mm. in the background, and everyone went crazy. It's the exact same thing going on here. Yeah, it's kind of like the new type of teaser. Do we know if they're going to be? I kind of like it, especially considering we're in the age of this like mega access to films in production. You know, you get the casting updates, you get the reshoot updates. There's no secrets anymore. Yeah, it's exactly. It's sort of this embrace of. Uh, you know, the modern Hollywood, the digital mm-hmm. way that yeah. we, we talk about movies. Now. Yeah. I remember last year they had said if, if uh, someone was going to leak it, then we might as well leak it in, in uh, high quality is what they had said. That's and I, right. I think that it pertains to the Joker. But no, I'm excited for it. I'm Fernando, excited. Fernando, I, I know you were really excited. What was it about this clip that uh, got you so hyped? I don't know. I just like the, the nature of it. Um, you know, when I saw it, I forgot that the Joker, uh, Todd Phillips did this. But like seeing Matt Reeves himself right. drop it, I was like, yo, that's pretty cool. Um, mm-hmm. and I, I don't know, like I did dig the costume and I, when they cast Robert Pattinson, I was really excited cause I thought it was a, a bold choice, not like a very, um, you know, traditional choice of like some big action, uh, movie star, you know, and obviously like he got kind of backlash. People were like, oh, the twilight guy or whatever. Um, stupid. but yeah, I, yeah, it's stupid, but I kind of also am on your side though, Zach, where I'm not looking into the costume all that much. I just wanted to like look fine. But I know there's yeah. some people who are like, oh, like how accurate is it to the comics? How long are, are his ears going to be? What color is his cape going to be? The ears, yeah. Like, the ears, they, people like, are going crazy for the ears. I don't really care. I, I like that um, idea of the symbol being the gun turned into that. that really and then cool. it seems like he can take it off and it becomes the Batarang. That seems pretty cool if you play the Arkham games yeah. uh, and such. And they do it a lot in, in some of the variations of the comics. I think it looks pretty dope, Zach. You'll be the day one. Uh, so far, yeah, I'm there day one. So far. Stranger Things spoilers ahead, although don't get Stop. too concerned because Netflix put them in the no. new teaser trailer for Stranger Things 4. Uh, the less than 50 second clip set in a Russian prison camp reveals the potentially dead, but who are we kidding? He wasn't going to die. Chief Hopper alive but imprisoned. Art, we already talked a little about how we would feel when the show inevitably reversed his character's death on our Let Us Explain Stranger Things 3 with Taylor J. Williams. Shout out. Yeah, shout out, Taylor. Uh, But now that it's confirmed, yay or nay, you're excited for Stranger Things 4? I just want to apologize for wasting Taylor's time and coming on the show (laughs) and talking about something that didn't even matter. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's nay for me but everybody already knows my thoughts I'm not really that big on the show something like this doesn't help someone who's already on the fence on the show like it when they're lying to you Fernando go ahead um so I didn't watch season 3 so <laughs> it kind of got spoiled for me Zach um, I knew I knew someone like died cause my sister loves the show and I remember um like her reaction to it like she was like I was like, oh, did did you like season yeah, three? A very emotional. Oh, spoiler alert! Yeah. Nobody died, Fernando. I don't know if you just <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, so seeing that and seeing like the caption, like, oh, he's he's like he lives or whatever. I was like, oh, he died. Okay. Mm-hmm. I guess they. Yeah, I, Tony Stark died. I don't too. feel so bad putting it, uh, mentioning it because it's in the headlines. They of yeah, they said it's, sent, on it's from Netflix themselves when they send the yeah. emails for yeah. press. They said Hopper's and, back. 
Yeah, and I think it's smart on Netflix's part to just, you know, bite the bullet and tell people now rather than try and wait it out until the fourth season actually drops. It's like the version of anything you know, new. Who are, nobody, nobody thought this was actually going to happen. They, it, it felt false from the moment that it was being delivered. Um, and it sucks because it was this one moment during Stranger Things 3 where it felt like the show was potentially reaching for something yeah. a little bit more ambitious than it normally does. I remember talking about that. Yeah. And then, for and then it immediately reverses course. What a downhill. What a downhill. I, I, I will say... say go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I like how we both <laughs> said the same transition phrase. <laughs> go ahead. Um, no, I was going to bring up the, the memes people were making because he's like in Russia, I guess. And like that's his char- like he looks like his character from Black Widow. That's like he's Russian and he's like grizzled and stuff. And people were like, "Oh, it's it's." Or it could be because we were, we we joked about this when we recorded the Let Us Explain. We're like, "Ah, oh, it's because he got he got a Hellboy. Hellboy didn't do so well." He said, oh. "Hey, Netflix, <laughs> y'all got a season four, and now they're bringing him back so much so that, like you said, it's almost like they just caught him in between Black Widow and they're like, Shh, yeah. let's put you back in. <laughs> yeah, while you're out, while there. you're out there, uh, let, let's go." Uh, I'll add, though, that, like, I don't know if Hopper being there or whatever is really the reason anybody's going to be excited for the season. You know, either they do Mm -hmm. fun homages and get the vibe. So is the whole thing going to be in Russia? I don't think the whole I doubt that, but it seems like they've been talking about how it's going to leave Hawkins. I would love for them Uh, to leave that because if they leave that, I feel they leave uh, their comfort zone, which is, hey, look, 80s. Hey, look, 80s, because now you're away from that. But who knows? We may end up in Russia and we'll see Rocky fighting what's (laughs) right over there. (laughs) (laughs) Abby Jacobson has lined up her first big post-Broad City TV project. Teaming up with Mozart in the Jungle's Will Graham to write and produce a TV version of 1992's A League of Their Own. Art, yay or nay, this is a home run. This is a home run premise for Jacobson to base her next series on. And you said it's on what? Amazon. I'm going to say yes with one stipulation, mainly because I like Abby, I, you know, Amazon, like I just said, I had recommended something that I was watching from them. Um, there is a documentary at South by Southwest this year that actually talks about the two two of the women from a league of a league of their own. And it says that one of the biggest things that they shipped away was their relationship. I'm very curious to see if they do that. Uh, I mean, I would guess basing on, on like uh, who's the who's, the, who's working behind it. That'd be interesting yeah. to see if like this is not necessarily a course correction, but it was like, hey, y'all had a really good movie back in the day. That she conveniently ignored a big plot line from that. Well, one of the things that's been interesting is they did reveal the cast, and it's a pretty diverse crew of uh, somewhat recognizable faces. Probably the most recognizable among them uh, would be Darcy Carden from The Good Place. Mm. Uh, mm. But but there are people, you know, I think it's going to be a more eclectic show. I feel like, to me, for no reasons other than the cast and uh, the creators, I'm I'm hoping this will give me glow vibes as glow yeah. uh, makes its exit this year. I, I need a new like ha- like workplace hangout kind of thing. Sports uh, type, yeah. It's this unconventional lady sport workplace thing. I don't know, uh, but I'm really excited for it. It seems like a project that would suit Abby Jacobson well. So, uh, and Amazon needs a show like this. They don't have. Uh, a kind of like buzzy comedy, so maybe this will be their buzzy comedy. That'd be dope. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Seems I'm like for it. Premise. Big thumbs up. Was is Mozart in the Jungle Amazon too? Yep, it was. It was okay. Did mm-hmm. you guys see it? Because it's one of the shows that like I've always been interested in, mainly because Guile is like the star of it. But Same. I never yeah. understood like like the tone of it. Like it seems so like me neither. Strange. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I've watched a few episodes of it, and it never quite landed for me. Although I you know maybe enjoyed it a bit uh but golden globes liked it enough to mm-hmm. give it best yeah. comedy one year yeah everybody was a composer he liked it a lot so maybe maybe you just need to be yeah in that world i'll go back know. after after this new one if this new one's good i'll be like let me go check out mozart let me go see what he had in store yeah. 
Searching producer Timur Bekmemadbebtov, I'm always bad with that name, has talked about his desire to make computer screen-based movies, but apparently mm-hmm. his next film is going to be entirely vertical. V2, Escape from Hell, is a World War II film about a captured Soviet pilot leading an escape from a German concentration camp. Art, nay or nay, you are excited to see V2, Escape from Hell, and other vertical movies. Yes, but... The guy who you're mentioning, I know exactly what you're talking about because he he did searching and then he also did the uh, uh, unfriended ones, which were also in the. Yeah. That's all he cares. Like he's not so he's not nothing. He has nothing to do creatively other than is it on a computer screen? Okay, I'll finance yeah. it. He's talked about how he only he, wants to make computer screen based. That's movies. it. And you know what? Someone's got to do it, right? Someone needs to. Someone yeah. needs to lock down the market. Um, I am for it, but like I just said, it can be anywhere. <laughs> it can be anywhere in quality. But I'm excited for it. Yeah, uh, yeah. That sounds kind of when I, interesting. When I added this to the outline, I was like, "Dope, cool." We've we've already seen uh, some movies do sections like this. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's I think uh, comedy. It, I'm not sure if Booksmart did exactly this, but I wouldn't be surprised if Booksmart had a section. But I know Zola definitely mm-hmm. had a section like this, mm-hmm. where it kind of embraces the iPhone nature of we've modern day reality and just that. shows you that sliver of the screen. Uh, then. I started to read more, and the fact that this is a World War II movie is a little bit of a left turn yeah. for me. I mean, you know, that hopefully he has some concept here that that justifies it or that will make it better for the experience. Mm-hmm. But um, I'm now confused as to why they are even making this choice in the first place. Yeah. Is it in one long take? <laughs> yeah, see, it's interesting because, like, when you think of vertical, you automatically think phone. Mm-hmm. So the fact right. that it's like a period kind of movie is interesting. But I don't think, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how like vertical it is. Like, is it going right. to be what is normally vertical? Because I mean, like old film, like, or people it's like, play a box, with, like the yeah. one by one uh, aspect ratio. Um, I if I might be wrong, but I also think he helped produce Hardcore Henry. Mm. Which is the okay. whole, which surprised. is the whole like first mm-hmm. person POV movie. Yeah. So I think he's like he is interested in like the like changing like innovation when it comes to like the camera. I'm for so, it. Yeah, I'm for it too. Yep, I think I'm for it. Yeah, we talked a lot about how at Sundance there was. Uh, we were saying, has anyone seen a movie at Sundance that does not change aspect ratios? A lot of them were shifting just little bit by little bit, and I think that's really cool. Uh, with all the Hollywood Reporter talks. I'll try to mention it here because the Hollywood Reporter, even though I'm just quoting them, might flag our video because they're so anal about that. But they had a bunch of cinematographers uh, who don't deserve 45 minutes anymore, by the way. According to the Hollywood Reporter, they only deserve nine minutes. Uh, But they had a great discussion. It was uh, Richardson, who is the cinematographer. I don't know if I mentioned this in the past. Probably have to you guys in in, like just talking. But uh, he talked about how every time he's recording with younger talent, they take off the the lens. The mon- he's like, what? You need that. They're like, no, we'll, we'll film off the monitor. And he's like, it's because these kids are always filming on their phones. And then Deschanel, Zoe and uh, I'm forgetting the sister, um, Caleb Deschanel, their father, he's a cinematographer as well. I'm blanking on what he shot this year. It was something crazy. Um, he had said, he's like, yeah, I feel that a lot of the, the new generation is going to literally change the way we the movies that are on screen what they look like because they're no longer shooting them the way we have for decades upon decades zola waves everything out of sundance and a lot of the tiff movies and a lot of the stuff coming out this year is that and this 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 uh, little bit of news i think it's going to push that even forward of showing you that not everything needs to be widescreen or full screen there there's some crazy projects coming out so i'm excited i am very excited Caleb Deschanel was the cinematographer on The Lion King. <laughs> All right, well, so that does it for uh, yay or nay. Let us know if you have any news you need money. you want us to comment on. Gotta get his bag. Uh, by shooting us a comment or sending us an email. We do have one question to answer for our interview section. Magnitude Reviews asked us to give recommendations for films we saw at Sundance after we recorded our Sundance recap. Mm. Uh, we recorded that recap during our last night in Park City, so there wasn't like a whole yeah, lot we too that much. we got to see after, but one movie that I know both Art and I saw uh, was Kajillionaire, which I think we both thought was really good. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was interesting because the crowd that we left was very split. Us, personally, yeah. I think there was only one of us who didn't like it, Chase, 
<laughs> Chase. Caitlin didn't like it. Oh, she didn't like it either. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Damn. Um, and a lot of the people who came out were very mixed. People just blatantly just Fernando say, as well, who saw it earlier than us. Yeah. Um, any particular reason, Fernando? I'd like to hear your thoughts first. Tonally, it's very interesting, you know, between the character of um, Evan Rachel Wood, um, who I think is the, the great work with her character is very original. Um, for me, it's it's ev- all the other characters. Like, I think Gina Rodriguez is fine. But when I see that that performance and that character, I'm like, um, it didn't really like do much for me. There's like moments in the movie where I'm like, oh, this is saying something interesting. Mm-hmm. Like the There's a whole bathroom scene that's like in the dark mm-hmm. yeah um that whole sequence was really cool to me um and the whole like build up to the ending uh the ending reveal yeah um you know yeah. it was pretty pretty cool it's but fantastic in between it's good. that like the richard jenkins character and i'm i'm forgetting the actress's name but who plays the mom um their characters were always like very strange to me i was trying to figure them out the entire time um so i feel like it's something i might rewatch again um but on the first watch i was kind of like between you know what's us trying to really do yeah yeah uh deborah winger is the mother mm-hmm. character the actress we were uh looking for the name of but I, I i see what you're talking about because it is a strange movie as most of miranda july's movies are uh she has this quirky sense of humor mm-hmm. that i you know i guess you could say is maybe a little bit similar to like a Wes Anderson or a Taika Waititi, but not nearly as stylized as either of those filmmakers go for. She, she does this like it's almost set in reality kind of thing uh, with those movies. And I think to me, the thing that I really loved about Kajillioner, aside from its sense of humor, which uh, I thought would, was surprising and, and funny in many places uh, was this kind of like nature versus nurture thing the film had going on. I always like when a movie examines that uh, and uh, this Evan Rachel Wood Wood character was such a particular uh, set of nuances and behaviors given to her by her extremely frugal parents uh, when she's sort of met by this average everyday person who who a more or at least a more normal person in Gina Rodriguez just that clash that's created from their different knowledge bases you know Mm -hmm. Uh, that to me was both interesting and full of humor so that's the one reason that I really uh, enjoyed Kajillionaire Um, I don't know if you had anything else Art no I was gonna add the same thing it's like I want to recommend it but just like he said I was like I'm recommending a movie where the skeleton the themes of it are really dope like he he mentioned all the all the all the theming in there from the ending um, to the interact you mentioned the nature versus nurture this is a if you were to ask me, name me some nature versus nurture movies. It's this, this, this is the American shoplifters is what a lot of people were comparing it when we were over there. Uh, and the biggest problem is if y'all not vibing with the jokes, then the movie ain't for you. A lot of it is visual humor and it's very quirky. It's very weird. The only time where I would say it crosses a line, cause it's either for you or it's not, I didn't mind it too much. I can see why other people don't. There's a certain thing that happens with Richard Jenkins character. In a room and a yeah, where it it delves into uh, and something a little bit darker, and you didn't yeah. buy that transition as, well, as much as I did. Man, I felt the audience just not come back from that because yeah. later on he gives a speech, and they were like, "I ain't messing with your speech." And I was like, "Without that speech, there, I don't, I don't know. It didn't work for it. That that part I felt went a little bit weird, but yeah. oh, I, overall I liked it. I liked it more than our crew, but maybe we were warned because it was one of the last <laughs> movie that we saw, so I went in there a little bit more prepped." Yeah. Um, uh, so wait, did you you did you not catch something else? I want to say Caitlin caught something. No, I was I was writing Caitlin called the caught the evening hour and did you see Yalda or Yalda and then ended up winning. Yes, uh, the last two that we were able to catch was a screener for Summer White and Yalda, A Night of Forgiveness. Now Summer White, I really enjoyed. I don't know if you guys were able to catch it from the screener links that we were the, sent. Haven't seen the screener yet. I, I pretty good, pretty. Fun. It's about this. Um, Son who lives with his mom. And I love those movies where it's like, that's weird. He, like, sleeps with his mom. All these... No, it's not. Y'all do weird stuff, too. If it was a movie made about it, it wouldn't come off that weird, right? Uh, I thought it was a fantastic movie that really sets up how uh, this kid and this mom have this relationship. Is it normal or is it almost parasitic 
of each other, especially when a new man comes into play. The other one that we saw was Yalda, A Night of Forgiveness, which is semi-based on a true story in where over in the Middle East, when someone is accused of a murder, they put them on like this reality game show in where... In Iran, I believe. Yeah, and they have to... And they have to... The person whose loved one passed has to decide by the end of the show whether they're going to grant them forgiveness or not. And throughout the show, it's like an American Idol like text. Would you forgive her or would you not? And it's like, what the... And it's real. Uh, the director had like, a, he cut up a little thing up in the beginning, what the, what inspired him. And he was showing like parts of like the show that they have over there in Iran. And I was like, hot damn. I really like the actress. I thought she does a fantastic job. Um, and it, I can't remember what it ended up winning, but it did win something at Sundance. Uh, and hopefully it gets a pretty good release because I also really enjoy her short film that was at Sundance called Exam. Um, well, and I don't know person? how, same actress. Yeah. Oh, Different filmmakers, but same actress. So. Uh, yeah, I would recommend both of those movies. Yalda probably a little bit more. And Kajillionaire, if you've seen Miranda July's other stuff and you want to see Evan Rachel Wood in a, in a crazy role. You almost don't know. It's, I did not know it was her the entire festival. And I saw her face everywhere we went because they put the poster of her everywhere. I was like, that's her? I thought that was a dude. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I highly recommend Kajillionaire as well. Uh, also realized after we recorded that we skipped over world documentary as a category, although we didn't see most of the movies okay. in the world documentary category. I did catch A Casa My Home, uh, which I thought was a pretty oh, yeah, I saw that interesting too. documentary. Oh, you caught a Yeah, On cool. Screener, yeah. Uh, so that documentary out of Romania, I, I thought it was like a splash of uh honeyland with a splash of the wolf pack yeah, uh, because yeah. it has this environmental thing going on but ends up being more about the relationship uh between this family uh, or these parents specifically the father and his children whom he's trying to raise sort of outside of the system of uh th- this uh, of society in a way and then they're s- sort of forced back into society at an older age without the tools uh, of uh of school of education of reading of socializing uh it's a pretty fascinating uh look at modernity and at just you know, again, this is nature versus nurture. Uh, it's a theme that's going to come up again, again, I think, uh, with some of my favorite films. But speaking of favorites from Sundance, Fernando didn't get a chance to join us for our Sundance recap video. So we wanted to just give him quick time to maybe list off top three or top five, some of his favorites out of Sundance. Well, uh, this Sundance was great you guys right <laughs> like like i don't know if i just like you know was picking all the good all the right movies um but i missed a lot of stinkers one which i saw recently and i'm very glad i didn't see it at sundance um okay so i'll give you uh top five maybe i i feel like most of you guys um kind of have the same favorites so i think i'll mention some other ones too but my favorite sure. was nine days um this is a movie that i haven't stopped thinking about since i saw it um and want to see it again so badly i hope it gets picked up by someone has um, it not been picked no i think um our friend andres who also came with us said it got picked up for international release by some like interesting by uh, the same distributor who got the souvenir um but no american yet um uh, Minari- i imagine there must be some bidding it's going to be at south by so. as well There's, it's going to be at south yeah. by as well so um so minari would be my number two i think those two were definitely like you know the two standouts um, from the uh, narrative dramatic side. Um, Dick Johnson, right, number one. Dick Johnson is dead. Is my was my favorite documentary. Absolutely loved it. Mine too. Um, comes out on Father's Day on Netflix. Netflix. So you, you know, um, gonna be there for everyone to see. One movie that I really loved, but I think I was the only one that saw it was The Father. Um, mm-hmm. Anthony Hopkins, right. Olivia Coleman. Um, director, his name is Florian Zeller. Uh, it's his first feature. But I believe he's a playwright turned director. Yep, and this is an, uh, so coming from the theater. Yeah, an adaptation of a play he wrote, also named The Father. Um, and it's so good. Like Anthony Hopkins is probably gonna get another Oscar nom for this because he's so good in this. Um, and then I also mention um, Summertime. Hey, which is yeah, I really dug Summertime. I really want to see it again. Um, Director of Blind Spotting, who did Blind Spotting, mm-hmm. um, Carlos Estrada, I believe. Yeah, yeah Carlos he's dope, Estrada. bro. Um, super original, super uh, unique look at Los Angeles and uh, the different, you know, the side of Los Angeles not normally seen. Um, 
And yeah, I think it's very original. It's gonna be hard to market and you know hard to like it's fire, see bro. Goes, it's fire. It's, it's, it's dope. He could have made yeah. whatever he wanted. He said, "Nah, let me go make this." It's yeah. Have you seen some of the interviews with the uh, the the poets? I haven't. No, I haven't seen. Bro, I highly many. recommend. Collider has a pretty good one, and uh, they go down and and a couple of them are standing there and they're talking about like the stuff they're excited for. And uh, Carlos, who is Carlos Lopez Estrada, I want to say mm-hmm. fully his yeah. whole name. Um, He's so like he's proud of the team. Like yeah. so, they'll be like, "So what are you gonna do next?" It's like, "Oh, I want to go to school." He's like, "No, you got accepted into school." So it's like it's this really cool dynamic. Uh, all the Sundance stuff, which we highly recommend. You can go to their page and they have like intros with a lot of the people. And technically, you can even find some trailers in there because there's no oh, trailers yeah. out. But in there, like, "Hi, I'm presenting this film." They will show you some footage. Yeah. This is really dope because usually it's a, the the hi meet the director. It's just a director. He says, hi, I'm Carlos Estrada. This is my team. And he passes the camera to everybody else. Um, he's a boy. He's a G. I, we we lo- all love blind spotting. Did, were you able to catch um, the movie, Zach, this year? No, I missed summertime, so I'm going to be damn on the it. for that one. Zach, damn yeah. it. What the hell? There is the ending bit. The oh. doorstep scene? The doorstep? Easily one of my favorites <laughs> of the year of Sundance, yeah. Uh, quickly, Fernando, mm-hmm. do you want to reel off some honorable mentions and then we'll get into our topic of the week? Yeah, yeah. honorable mentions. Um, I Carry You With Me. Very hey. good. Comes out uh, pro- probably coming around out around the summertime, maybe like August mm-hmm. around there. Um, let's see. Let's see. Um, Black Bear, also very unique. Fantastic. Very yeah. interesting. Great performances. I don't know if that one's picked up. Did that one get I picked up? I don't, I don't think so. I'm very curious. Um, let's see. Let's see. Um Oh, I'll shout out Beast Beast because I don't know if you guys got a chance to see it. Might catch it at South by. Yeah, uh, from the team that's behind Thunder Road and Greener Grass. Um, like the production. Y'all tell me. Oh, okay, I was about to yeah, say. I was like, y'all didn't tell me that. But like Jim Cummings also helped out in this one. Okay. As he helped out yeah. in the other ones. Um, and I'll wrap it up by saying that Zola. Uh, stop stop very high stop (laughs) (laughs) no go ahead Uh, go ahead put it on record (laughs) i'll put it on record that i wasn't as impressed by zola as everyone else i think it's kind of underwhelming there you go all right so uh leave fernando some hate in the comments down (laughs) below and also let us know if you got any uh questions for us uh for future interviews we appreciate here on the intercut we're gonna go into our topic of the week because we wanted to talk about the academy awards mm-hmm. although sundance and technical delays have gotten in our way but we're gonna devote a little bit time now because the 92nd annual oscars ended in a way that the other 91 had not by awarding the best picture oscar to a film that was best not in the english language Parasite from South Korea, South Korean filmmaker Bong Joon-ho took home the night's top prize as well as the award for Best International Feature, Best Original Screenplay, and in maybe the biggest surprise, a Best Director trophy to director Bong himself. Art was the Paris sweep, the best thing you could have hoped for from Oscars night. Yeah, that's fantastic. I'm yeah. still, I mean, we're weeks from it still. Mm-hmm. It was incredible. I, I remember sitting there and like, you know, we all filled out our ballots and we always send them to each other on, on Messenger and stuff. Uh, and there's nothing better on a ballot than being wrong and it feeling so, so great. When he won for a script, I was like, whoa, can't believe it. He goes up there, does his thing. When he comes back for best director and gives that speech about how I was not expecting to be up here at all. And then let's talk about the best director one. When he when he dedicated his speech to give a standing ovation to Martin Scorsese hmm. and everyone stands up for him. When he goes, Quentin, when nobody else was showing my movies, you were. Hey, Todd. Uh, and then he just thanks everybody like, <laughs> you know, that's dope. That It's fantastic. This is the man who and then winning best picture. Yeah, I mean, it, we talk so much about how the Oscars can be a disappointment. You know, we've talked at length about the Green Book Oscars on this show. Pendulum. And it feels so rare that the movie that people are most excited uh, about the potential of it winning actually does win. You know, you got that uh, burst of enthusiasm from the room when the, every time they announced Parasite, it felt like Everyone the most happy. popular movie in the theater, too. Uh, and whether that's just because people were excited to see it 
uh, win because it was unexpected or because everybody genuinely thought it was the best movie. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's just this this happiness around it because it does break up uh, the norm for the Oscars. It does. I think one of the reasons that a lot of people view the Oscars as this kind of slog is because we feel like things like this don't happen there. Yeah. And yeah, it's because they often don't, but uh, the Academy has been slowly begrudgingly changing. And I think uh, from moonlight to this, we're seeing the evidence. Of yeah. It. We're seeing that uh, we're, we're going to get some more exciting winners, hopefully over the next decade or so. Mm-hmm. And it was the most surprising part being is how many it took home. You know, those it's our group messenger picture <laughs> him as yeah. uh him holding all the awards and stuff but it's yeah we think we knew it was going to do international and maybe we hoped it would screenplay, get screenplay but like picture and director like bong said huge. i was not expecting this i already started drinking uh <laughs> but yeah no it's fantastic i know some of the jokes of the night were saying that uh spike read somebody else and he just said it's yeah. bong instead <laughs> that uh, jane fonda would be the person to just say eh, parasite why not um, but uh, it's great. There was that the article that uh, I've been hyping up a lot from the LA Times, from Justin Chang of the LA Times, where he had said, you know, Parasite yes. doesn't need the Oscars. The Oscars need Parasite. We have talked about how the Oscars stock was very low, and that's very important. It's not that you need to, to, you know, the, our biggest thing with the Oscars has been that the, that we were looking down on them, not so much because, oh, you haven't awarded what we like. It's because just hearing from them. Even this year was worrisome right before because The Hollywood Reporter always drops those anonymous ones. And mm-hmm. and for whatever reason, this year very much highlighted uh, that American films needed to win from yeah. the specific voters, that right. it needed to be there, there American. in those uh, anonymous Hollywood Reporter ballots were saying, like, I didn't want to watch the, a movie with the subtitles. And it does get you worried that, you know, maybe that's going to be the attitude of a lot of voters, that uh, they won't bother with a subtitled movie. And it, just to see that that's not the case, at least for enough yeah. people to get it all the way to Best Picture, it is a really exciting sign. Uh, although we've been seeing for the past few years more and more of an acceptance of uh, foreign filmmakers and foreign films. Fernando, I know after the Oscars, you had tweeted out uh, the list of recent winners uh, and, and, you know, just between Bong Joon-ho and uh, the Three Amigos, it's it's full of international flavor. Yeah, mm-hmm. starting from the beginning of last decade, started with Ang Lee, and this one ended with Bong. In between there, only Chazelle was the only, like, American <laughs> to win. Um, best director. And even he is, like, an exciting young yeah. guy. Too. He, he likes jazz. Yeah. Um, so I think it's it is interesting. I think a lot of the conversation though does pertain to like just getting nominated, right? Like this. Yes. Year, thank you. Thank whole, you. The whole conversation of like only Cynthia Revo was the only um, minority to get nominated, um, or only African American actress. And she's not African American. I'm sorry, but the only Black actress to get mm-hmm. nominated. Yes. Um, so I think that's where the conversation also needs to go to, um, and I think. It's always difficult to say like how they're gonna change it. Um, you know, they're not gonna kick anyone out mm-hmm. of the academy. <laughs> um, I think it's just as time goes and they induct more, you know, young people, more people of, you know, make it more diverse. But it's gonna take time. It's not gonna be, you know, they're not just gonna dump all these like minority minorities in there all at once because they also have certain rules that they have to follow. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, the it was history. Like seeing Parasite win was was so um, amazing and it's it's always that feeling of I don't know uh, let me ask you guys when was the last time your favorite movie won best picture if it has like 2005 a couple years 2005 kitty that was oh. crash that was crash um, oh. I think Moonlight was an interesting one okay. because mine won for seven seconds yeah for uh. that was <laughs> interesting because my favorite movie that year was La La Land mm-hmm. um, I wasn't mad that Moonlight ended up actually winning but yeah, it's a whole thing where it's like when we think back to Best Picture winners, we're like, oh, what movie won Best Picture for 2018? That that one's always gonna haunt me because I'm gonna yeah. be like, wait, what won 2018? That wasn't Roma. Oh, was you're right. Yeah, because we think back that one like big movie. I, I want to say the year Mad Max was nominated. That was the one that everybody would have had the sort of parasite happiness that we felt in that um, room yeah. watching this year's Oscars if that would have won. Um, but we also yeah. had that fear, like Birdman. I, people didn't hate Birdman. Yeah. Then it won. I feel like oh, over time, it's over time, like reason. stuff has happened. Stuff with the artist, Hurt Locker, right. King Speech. Yeah, 
that's probably the most telling thing about Parasite. Zach talked about this. Yeah, is that it hasn't it hasn't gotten that coolness ding. It hasn't gotten that ickiness around it that a lot of these movies, you know, a movie gets the labeled best picture and it gets this outsized praise and people just as a response want to hate on yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, and it, it, you know, for a movie like Green Book, it it makes it completely sinks the movie because it, a movie like Green Book shouldn't really be aspiring to that kind of praise. Yeah. Uh, but it, for movies like Birdman that are genuinely interesting films, it makes them hard to even like discuss on film Twitter without getting dragged. Yeah. When it's it's a good movie that maybe shouldn't have won Best Picture that year. I don't know. Birdman. Uh. Yeah. Oh, we're having mm. conversations for another <laughs> time. Okay, mm. I didn't know that. Yeah. But no. But, like but yeah, Parasite, I feel you. It's like Parasite's easy because at least for me, I can think. Oh, what was my favorite movie of 2019? Parasite. That one, Best Picture. It's crazy. Like, yeah, for, it never yeah, happens. For, and everybody's happy about yeah. it. You know, um, it, it. It's really exciting to be able to celebrate that with people. And I think uh, this is also, <laughs> and also like kind of like a wake-up call for South Korea because I don't know what they were doing before, but South Korea has had so many incredible movies over the past like couple mm-hmm. years that this is their first like best international f- film win is kind of mind Yeah, I don't know if it, if they needed the wake-up call or we did. We did, did but, yeah. Uh, it definitely if, seems like it's going to open the floodgates yeah, for South yeah. Korea. Because that's, that's the other thing. Like you were mentioning with the nominations, because uh, there's a crap ton of Korean films. You just look best. It was funny because... Um, uh, there are websites that torrent movies, and the next day after it won, there was a bunch of Korean movies just all over the everywhere. Netflix was pushing all that stuff. Oh, do y'all want to see To All the Boys sequel? They're Korean. Uh, it got released two days before the Friday as well. I think the best part about this is that it showcases why we care so much about the Oscars, that when a movie that may not have had that much attention onto it, Parasite doesn't win. People forget it's even nominated. And again, by people, I mean the general audiences, not us who talk about movies for two hours every week. They're not going to know what Parasite is. They're just going to be like, oh, that was nominated. They don't know what was nominated. There was five movies nominated in 2005. Guarantee you they don't know half of them. They don't know half of them. They only know the one that probably won. Mm -hmm. And for this to win, I think, is a really big deal and showcases why the Oscars are so important because it gives a recognition. It gives a prestige that, one, they should be upholding, and two, that I think uh, is able to elevate movies that when they are the best picture of the year, definitely get a push from it and uh it's been crazy it's been great seeing so many people talk about parasite uh some buffoonery of course yeah some buffoonery there will always be some always but it's been good life's good good. and i stand by my interpretation of the ending (laughs) now that this has happened boys now that this has happened sometimes sometimes life is better than the movies i'm happy uh, what you mentioned about um the oscar giving a movie a push I mm-hmm. think like doesn't always happen depending on the movie, but with Parasite, it's very evident. I went to the movies. I want to say the the day after the Oscars on the Monday, I went to the movies. The first three people in line, uh, can I get one for that Parasite movie? Right. And they're all like, yeah. they're all Americans, by the way. Which mm-hmm. I was like, I mean, it's the kind of good. legitimizing thing that will hopefully get people over the hump mm-hmm. of you know, over that. What was it? Quarter the inch one barrier inch that barrier about. that is subtitles. It's nothing. Yes, yeah. exactly. That's that. And that's the reason we care about the Oscars, exactly. like you guys have been saying. It, it, it can literally uh, uh, shift the culture. Yeah. Even aside from Parasite's four wins, the most of any movie at the Oscars, 1917 won three awards of its own. Joker, Ford v Ferrari, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood all won two Oscars. Little Women took home costume design. Laura Dern took home one for her role in Marriage Story. Taika Waititi got the screenplay Oscar for Jojo Rabbit, which only left The Irishman as the Best Picture nominee to win zero Oscars. So for me, I really like that uh, the Oscars were able to spread the love to so many different movies. That is but cool. What do you guys think about Martin Scorsese becoming the first filmmaker to have two movies nominated for 10 Oscars and not win one after Gangs of New York did the same thing? Rough. <laughs> I'd like to congratulate Martin Scorsese for finessing $155 million from Netflix, getting that to be played in an actual Broadway theater, mm-hmm. being able to work with his buddies at the age for no reason. Al Pacino doesn't even play Jimmy Hoffa. He plays Al Pacino. The yeah. movie's three hours long. 
It's uh, it's streaming, and it's still getting a, a, a release. Congratulations mm-hmm. to Martin Scorsese and everybody involved with The Irishman. I will not forget it. I've seen it nine times. It's fantastic. Doesn't need nine any Oscars. Hours? Nine officially. I'm <laughs> way back from Sundance. Alito played it in the car. No, yeah, I mean... Does it need Mark. it, Zach? Fernando, does it need it? No, he made the movie he wanted to make. Does Jay-Z need any more Grammys? No. Yeah. It, for, Scorsese has gotten so much love and adoration. I think for him, even better than winning an Oscar was that moment Standing in the ovation and- speech where the entire theater got up and gave him a standing ovation because there is that much love for him. And, you know... We while I love the Irishman, I don't know if I'd put it in my top five for Scorsese. So I don't know if he needs a trophy for this one particularly. I, at Fair. least not more than he did for Raging Bull Good or fellas. for Goodfellas. Yeah. I mean, the Oscars are. It's tradition for the Oscars to give you an Oscar for the wrong movie anyway. Mm. So you know, I, I don't know. I, I don't. He doesn't need one here. It is a little weird that Scorsese, for all of his contributions, only has the one Oscar. It's insane. Uh, it is. But I think he'll sleep okay at night. But, I mean, he sleeps well. You get some of like, the great pioneers of cinema also don't have any, you know? Yeah, so. so don't matter. It don't matter. Hey, but Rogers got two. My man went, what, 13? How many years without uh, <laughs> nominations without one? Yeah. Uh, and I think he had like 18 nominations or something crazy like that before he won. Ridiculous. <sighs> and now he's back to back. Back to back. Hey, I'm, I'm very exciting. And I really liked his shout out to the focus puller. He goes, uh, oh, I forget yes. what his name was. He's like, but shout out to him. He's like, because he's always doing his job. And when he doesn't, you notice. And you never notice. <laughs> Uh, Fernando, you were the big champion of 1917 on this podcast. You talked about how going into Oscar night, you were going to be equally happy for either 1917 or Parasite. How do you feel now that uh, 1917 it took home a couple awards, yeah. but it lost the uh, major ones? I, I'm fine. I mean, I was hoping that uh, Parasite would. 1917 was just my safe pick, you know. So yeah. I still love it. Um but I think the ones that did take home were definitely deserved. Um, you know, cinematography was Roger, of course. VFX was an interesting one. People were, you know, some people were leaning towards Avengers or Lion King because of the innovation. But 1917, where it used its uh, visual effects more in like a supporting way. Yeah. To like, you know, blend things in, um, I think was an interesting one. And sound, obviously. Um, so I wasn't torn up about it or anything. I still think it's incredible. Um but yeah, as the night was going on, and you know, Sam didn't win director, which, you know, for the Oscars, you know, stats are a huge thing for some people, and I think this was the first time since Ben Affleck, I think, where the person who won like DGA, Golden Globe, um, and the BAFTA didn't end up winning the Oscar, because Bond didn't right. didn't win any of those. Sam, so he was technically the favorite to win directing. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's why for me, as soon as Bong took home the best director, I knew Parasite was winning best picture. And you were, you were tweeting. If he had enough momentum. Because if you had enough momentum for yeah. one, he was going to take the whole. Thing. Y'all got to follow Zach on Oscar night. This man is like, did his tweet better? Switches the he switches the odds on best picture. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like live betting yeah. the Oscar. Question for much. you guys: mm-hmm. Would yeah. y'all take losing everything on the road to the Oscars, but winning the big one? Or winning oh, yeah. all the small ones and losing the big one. Which one are you going? No, I take the Oscar for sure. Really? Yeah. Now I'm taking I the mean, free tec- drinks. Technically, for Bonk, he didn't even like lose like all the big ones. I mean, he won Can too, which yeah. is the first Oscar Best Picture in like 60 years or something. To which also, exactly just in and yeah. of itself, Can is when May, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and like, it's yeah, so early on in the year to get that what was it 18 minute standing ovation for that mm-hmm. movie. To have that carry all the way through to TIFF, and then from TIFF to New York, and and then all that to the Oscars is insane. It's absurd. This is it with it leaking. This is it with it being an international film. You know, it's fantastic. It's it shows you the power of that yeah. movie. Ultimately, uh, I feel like it's the Oscars that we tend to remember, not the all, all the precursor it's awards. It's true. I know. And especially we remember them when you're given a dramatic moment like we were. So, yeah, I'm, I'm with her, uh, with Fernando that the best result would be 
losing him and yeah. just getting that surprise well, Oscar at the you end, know what? giving an ecstatic speech and being overwhelmed and talking about how you're going to drink all night. That sounds like the way to go for me. I don't know, guys. Uh, give me the Indie Spirit Award and the uh, – <laughs> what did Adam say? Give me the Indie Spirit Award for personality and that's all I'll, I'll take it home with me. <laughs> No, but yeah, it was a fantastic uh, turnout. Anybody had any other thoughts on the Oscars that they wanted to share before we move on? Uh, Joaquin Phoenix's speech about inseminating a cow is iconic, whereas the rest of it just makes absolutely no sense. I didn't get what he was going for. Well-intentioned, sure. Misguided, yes. Yeah! <laughs> he had s- such a better one at the at the BAFTAs. Yeah, Damn. it's always surprising to me when the these actors who tend to be so uh, who have the ability to be so composed and give such compelling uh, deliveries don't rehearse or practice their speeches enough to not nervously stammer through them yeah. like I, you know I'm sure Joaquin Phoenix was talking about important stuff but I don't know how artificial insemination of cows is related to cancel culture you don't know uh, I'm sure he does but I don't uh, so yeah, there were a couple speeches like that. Renee Zellweger's uh, mention of the Williams <laughs> sisters and our troops also <laughs> falls into the same category for me. But there were a couple great speeches, not just bongs. I thought that the speeches from the American Factory winner uh, were pretty great. Um, and uh, a few others along the way mm-hmm. were exciting, too. I loved Brad Pitt's, too. Brad Pitt's was, was dope. And he gave a shout-out to the stunt teams, and he's like, it's time to start recognizing them, something we've been talking about for the yeah. longest time. That moment when Laura Dern shouts out her parents. Oh, so nice. And she was in the crowd. Mm-hmm. It's great. So uh, those were most of our thoughts on the Oscars. Let us know what you guys thought. Send us an email, email. Shoot us a comment. We're going to head to our last segment of the show. It's the new to see where you give where we give you some picks for the week. Art, what should the people out there watch? Um, hold on. Come that, come to me last because I actually do have a good one that I wanted to mention, but it's on it's on VOD. Fernando, you got one? Uh, let me see, let me see. That's tough. It's kind of barren out there right now in theaters. Yeah, a little bit. Unless you want to go see Fantasy Island. Um, what comes no. out? I mean, I talked about mine in the what we're watching, but I definitely recommend people check out McMillions. Hmm. Okay. I've been enjoying that one on HBO. Uh, I'm still enjoying The Outsider on HBO. And I haven't caught up with it yet, but uh, Played Sundance Horse Girl mm. is on Netflix. So I, I want to watch that. I've heard some interesting things. So All right, I think I'll uh, report back with some thoughts next week. I have mine because that's what I'm seeing this weekend. Um, and if you're lucky enough to have it be playing near you, Go see Portrait of a Lady on Fire. That's finally releasing um, in theaters. You know, should have been Francis Oscar submission, um, but beautiful movie. You'll cry. Um, it's very special, and I think everyone should see it. Ooh. I actually don't have a VOD Art. pick. I thought, I, ooh, my goodness, girl. Um, I'm going to second Portrait of a Lady on Fire. If it comes to theater, she was actually doing Q&As, and I would highly recommend a bunch of those Q&As are online. We're going to be posting ours this, uh, this Friday as well. Um, fantastic movie. Uh, try to snatch up one of these posters if you can. They, they tend to leave a lot of them around. Some people don't know what the movie is. It don't matter. This is insane. It's a fantastic poster. Go snatch one up. Watch the movie. Uh, one of our favorites of the year one of the best of the decade uh in terms of at home i'm gonna recommend the amazon show that i was watching uh modern love, modern love. uh again i highly recommend the first one if you vibing with it finish it it's pretty simple it's a half an hour episodes uh other than that my vod one would be parasite since it's out you can fully get it there is also going to be some steelbooks coming out and i believe it got announced for a criterion so this mm. is just a gift that keeps on giving there's gonna be yeah. so much more we used to be worried with the age of streaming oh no well we have releases bro now you gotta collect like five i'm excited yep. um watch parasite watch a bunch of the behind the scenes that are going to be coming out as well including uh, and this has been spreading all throughout twitter there is a uh bang jun ho storyboard because what he does is he doesn't just write scripts he likes making an entire storyboard and when we went to go see it at the arc lay he had a secrets q a where he said that um they're so detailed his storyboards that he could just turn them into comics so for this one they said why don't you he said i in the fall <laughs> All right, so those are our picks for the week, but that's about all for this week's show. You can catch more from me, Zach Shevich, by following me on Twitter, Instagram, or Letterboxd, at Zshevich, that's at 
Z-S-H-E-V as in victory, the Nazi soccer movie, I-C-H. And check out my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash multiplex show. Art, where can people find more from you? You can find me on the A to Z show on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube, as well as Let Me Explain and all that stuff, including Letterboxd. Or you can find me every week here on the Intercut Podcast. Fernando, where can people find more from you? Uh, people, you can follow me on Twitter at border underscore logic. Uh, also, border logic. <laughs> also, keep up with the ATZ Show website, which is www.theatzshow.com. And then I'm going to say this to kind of hold myself website. accountable, but I'm going to start making YouTube videos again. Woo! Let's go! On my actual channel, which is also border logic. Um, so, yeah, be on the lookout for that. All right, you can listen to every episode of the Intercut Podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher, I Like Overcast. And then make sure you're subscribed not just to the audio podcast, but to the video feed on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash intercutpod, where you can catch our bright, smiling faces as we break down the latest in entertainment. Find new episodes of Intercut every Friday. Please leave us a comment. Like the videos. Consider heading over to iTunes to leave us a five-star review. We got new five-star reviews, guys. Hey! Uh, Oh, yeah. Jada says, my favorite podcast. I'm always so excited when you guys post and love hearing your opinions on films. Keep it up. I appreciate you, Jada. Irma Lott also says, hello, this is great. YSL Shift said, best podcast of all time. And sh- shout out to Gray, who says, this is a Fer- Fernando, though, and left us five stars. Aww. <laughs> so shouts to Fernando. Was. You got us... You got us five stars. And shouts to all of you for leaving us uh, those reviews. They really do help a lot to uh, get our show in front of more people, more audiences, help expand the pool of intercuties. Uh, and it's great for us. So we really appreciate all of you. Like our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages, all of them at Intercut Pod to get updates throughout the week from Art, from Fernando, from me, from all the guests that we feature here on Intercut. Thanks again for tuning in. And until next time, the personal is the most creative. Martin Scorsese said that. He didn't even. And then Bong Joon Ho said that. That's what it should be. That's what I should have had up here. Um, <laughs> like the Wayne Gretzky, yeah. Michael Scott yes! thing. Yes! Yes! <laughs> <laughs> Bog Juno, Martin Scorsese. <laughs> <laughs>